we are all cultural animals and the environment, the things we see, always have a big impact in the evolution of social behaviors. Welcome to the Halftime Snacks. My name is Ronena Imbino. This show explores the intersection between sports, business, and technology. Are you ready? Let's go! Today's halftime snack, we have a very unique guest, a Venezuelan entrepreneur who's innovating on a daily basis and she's pushing the boundaries of technology to bring the physical and digital world closer together. Her experience in creative industries covers everything from designing architectural projects with one of the greatest architects of our time, Frank Gehry, to leading the design strategy for premium VR experiences for fashion brands. Today, she's the founder and CEO of Flickplay, a platform that combines immersive video technology with gaming tools to create a new and innovative experience. It is my honor and pleasure to introduce such an icon of the industry on today's podcast. So ladies and gentlemen, Pierina Merino. <laughs> thank you for the invite, Ronan. No, thank you for accepting my invitation, Pierina. It's great to host you. I want to start straight away by talking and asking you about your story and your background. I want to ask you what experiences specifically drove you into design and architecture? Why did you decide that that's what you wanted to do? I have always been a very, very visual and since very young age, I could easily deconstruct things. I could see how they were assembled. I could see, I could see kind of how they were, would come together, right? And that was something that really fascinated me that in a way later on in my career, as I started my undergrad in architecture, really helped uh, me to push myself into the technology space rather than traditional architecture. Were you interested in like Legos or specific like paintings or what, what were the things that you were passionate about when you were young that drove you a little bit into design? It's kind of funny that my first startup was a jewelry brand because in South America, a lot of jewelry brands are, are done very, in a very analog way, right? Like they're kind of handmade. It's, every time I would go to a jewelry store or see something that was uh, very articulated with different parts, I would always go to my mom and tell him, hey, can you get me these materials? Because I think that I can do it myself and I don't need to buy it, right? So I always had that eye for seeing how things kind of come together and always push myself to try to find a way to put them together. I I was also born in the same city that Jesus Soto, which is one of the most uh, renowned kinetic artists of the 21st century. And I actually live very close to his museum. So obviously his art is very three-dimensional, even those are most of a portion of his work are paintings and that was something that really inspired me to push how can you three-dimensionalize to the elements and and the implications of perception on how it, it comes to the final piece that's fantastic Pierina. i'm sure this you get this question quite often but I, i'm really curious to know 
What did working with Frank Gehry actually taught you about creativity? That's interesting because I, I mean, I'm never going to forget every time a new intern came into the office, he's like, oh, how long are you staying here? And he's like, oh, two months, three months. And they're like, okay, that's too short to doctrinate you, right? So he had this very, I think that one of the most fascinating parts of working for Fran was that it doesn't matter at what stage in your career you get into his office, you do need to learn his what his basics means to him. That is not something that you learn working for 10 years in another architectural office. It's something that you learn being the wood shop, cutting wood and learning how he pretty much uh, designs, right? So I think that being in his office for a couple of years really taught me to understand how the physical elements that you build with paper can be scanned with robots and bring into the digital space and improve based on the perception or or whatever that output give us and bring it back to physical that that intersection between how the physical helps the digital and how the digital helps the physical and how you find the balance between the two of them would you say that frank is somebody that works a lot on the fundamentals on like the basic most fundamental thing you can know about architecture is that something that he works a lot on and then he that that's that's from where he pushes out and starts building up or how would you how would you explain his mentality towards that he has a very interesting process right because i think that currently there are two spectrums you have the architects that are extremely traditional and that still do everything in a very let's call it old-fashioned way and then you have the innovative architects that are pushing everything that technology gives them to create the next version of i think that Fran uh, and his office have done an amazing job of finding the balance between the two worlds, right? Because when you think about uh, Frank's uh, buildings and designs, there is a sense of imperfection. Nothing is ever perfect. A window is always tilted. And that's not intentional. That is because every designer that is in his office use their hands to put a little plexiglass in a physical model and if the hot glue that you're using kind of tilts a little bit that window and Frank thinks that that's the way it should get built, it gets constructed that way. Then we use those models and we push it in the digital space. We 3D scan it, we optimize it, and then once we get at, at something from technology that cannot be achieved through physical models, it gets rebuilt into physical. I think that he has found the balance to maintain the character of his design and the sense of, not call it traditional, but primitive this, uh, primitive shapes, how primitive shapes come together and use technology to push how it not only gets constructed, but what are the versions of a, a physical result? How can that get, get achieved uh, with the use of new technology? That's amazing, Pierina. Thank you for, for sharing that answer. And I, I wonder what are three specific like skills that you can transfer from design all the way into entrepreneurship and business and building you know, a company? And why would you say those skills are useful there? 
I think that the first one I would say doing human-centric design. I have always been a very interesting intersection between traditional design and technology. The next generation of consumer platforms won't be built by engineers. They will be built by people that understand people and that have in a way an eye for, for how parts come together to actually create a 360 experience for users and it I think that that's obviously something that in one way or another one even if feels so far away is something that being an architect and understanding kind of how digital physical and technical pipeline come together into the realization of a project has helped me a lot I remember when I started Flickplay I read the book Hide Output Management by the former CEO of Intel. It was pretty interesting to see how he explains what high output management means for him, right? And how uh, he sees tasks or projects as ingredients that need to be cooked in a specific timing for them to all come together. And when I contrast that with architecture in general, it's fascinating because as an architect, since your very first year, you're trained to, hey, you not only need to design a building but you need to do a physical model which will require you laser cutting it will require you putting all these parts together into a physical model and printing and gluing in the wall you kind of need to become a manager since the inception of your education and you need to understand the timing behind each different part to make it into a final product that and in an educational scale once you get in the bigger scale you have consultants constructors you have like all these different regulations that you need to make sure you comply with in order to meet not only the construction deadlines but the internal uh, deadlines for a project so i think that i never thought that there would actually be that much alignment but i always thought about how we as architects have this such a holistic general understanding of how to make things happen and i think that entrepreneurship you're pretty much building a plane falling from a sky rise and being able to make sure that through that process you are kind of delegating and putting the parts together is a big important component of it i think that the way your mind gets structured through building and designing and putting things together it's it's kind of like a way of understanding how things work before you are you're planning them and then you can use it in entrepreneurship and business that's great Pierre now you know I want to switch gears a little bit now to talk about Flickplay and the company that you currently run I want to ask you about its technology uh, specifically how can Flickplay's technology improve our lifestyle on a daily basis Flickplay is a gamified video sharing social app and we use both gaming and AR content tools to power a new canvas for social storytelling. We believe that our stories will be a, have always been better told when we can use context to tell, uh, to, to add more meaning to them. What we do is that we have two ways for users to interact on Flickplay experiences. They are either, it's either through our gamify map and through our camera. 
Once videos are shared within Flickplay, the community can interact with them, engage in leaderboard challenges, collect points, and, and uh, have a, a closer interaction, not only with where they live, but also the places they can visit and have uh, a fun uh, interaction with. That sounds super fun. Uh, I can't wait to try it, Pierina. I'm sure, I mean, you have many, many projects coming up and many plans that you want this technology to support. But I want to ask you specifically in terms of like health and wellness, is there, is there an application from this technology uh, towards it? Can it support it in the future? Tell me about it. I believe that we are living in a very transformative point in time uh, we are all cultural animals and the environment the things we see have always have a big impact in the evolution of social behaviors i think that covid 19 will not only be remembered as a the tragedy that it has been but also as a starting point for a new social behavior in which the digital and physical elements together become a fundamental part of our everyday life. And I'm really excited to be being building Flickplay at this point in time, right? We, we engage every day in Zoom calls and we add backgrounds to, to build a perception or to a, at least feel that psychologically feel that we have a real ecosystem in us, right? And when we engage in a call and we see, I see you with, you know, what your ideal office would look like, um, it's not about that office being real or not, right? It's about that representing your style, how you portray yourself and the things that identify you. And to me, those are the qualities that will matter moving forward and that will have a big impact on how how we perceive digital things, right? It won't be about the fictitiousness of it. It will be about the emotional connection of why that person is using that element to actually um, connect with his community, with his friends, with his family. Yeah, I feel like, especially nowadays with all like social networks and stuff, I feel like there is this kind of misconception or alternate reality in which the social networks actually make us less social you know how how they say like like don't spend time on your phone don't spend like try to be more present in the moment if you're with family and friends try to be there so do you think that your platform is trying to bring both together in a way that it's not antisocial, in a way that it's inclusive in a way that you know, you can you can actually use it for for a positive thing in 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 humans' lives. Like, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think that that's a pretty interesting question. I I always say that the next big social platform won't be will be a, a combination between social and a game, and it's just we have just see see it on the trajectory of social media, right? Social media started uh, in the one D era as a way for us to connect with our friends right and just feel that communication that like very plain connection with them across countries across time and then we move to a second era with uh, and that at first era started with facebook twitter those very 1d text image format right and then we move to a second era with instagram tiktok 
Snapchat where uh, through videos we told better stories. And uh, in a way it started by the high fidelity content of sharing that ideal Instagrammable moment, which in a way decontextualized us from the reality that we live in our everyday life. And in a way, it kind of like went back to the social once videos start getting introduced or the idea of stories as a quick way, a snackable content for us to quickly consume from our audience, right? The interesting part or where we are right now is that we're starting to see that that interaction from a consumer human behavior is starting to get more and more gamified. So when you think about a dance challenge, it's not about the dance, it's about the idea of competing with friends, with a community, and the, and the concept that gaming is becoming more and more social because it's becoming a more genuine way for us to connect with our community. So when we think about Slick Play as a social platform, we think about the idea of you visiting locations and having a completely different experience than being 10 miles away from in another location, right? So if you're in Los Angeles and you're walking through Avokini Boulevard in Venice, you will our disco, your discovery page on Flickplay will tell you something completely different than if you are in Melrose or you're in downtown LA, right? And it will filter that social interaction, gamify experience based on who are your friends are close to you and what are the things that are happening around you. So it's a more genuine, more interactive way to both consume content and create content. Yeah, that's great. And I also feel like there's this element of going out and not like you, you're not necessarily gonna find the best filters or the best games at your home. You're gonna have to go, go somewhere. So it, it promotes like kind of like an active life of like, just, you know, don't stay home, go out at least. I mean, and if you're going out, you're probably gonna meet with someone, right? So it, it, it mixes up social gaming and i feel like also like a kind of like a physical active wellness type of life which is very positive because it's not like you're scrolling in instagram just in your couch and you're just that's the only thing that you're doing so i think that's fantastic and i want to ask you more of like a question uh towards you and i want to know what has been the hardest challenge that you faced as a woman in a mostly male dominated industry and how did you overcome it or what has been your your attitude towards it tell me a little bit about it. yeah i mean i think that definitely grit and persistence i think that building a company a tech startup is not easy regardless of the gender it's a big challenge and the reality we live right we live in right now is that as long as there is less female executive making the decisions of how investment money needs to be allocated um, less opportunity there will be for female founders to really not only get funding but also get the necessary funding to really prove uh, what needs to be validated right i think that um every company has the opportunity to succeed as long as it's giving the right time and resources to to be executed, right? And I think that 
um, for us to bridge that gap. We just need to make sure that um, we're being critical and rational about the deployment of resources for both female and male. I think that that's been the challenge that any, any, any female entrepreneur has faced to prove and validate that there is a bigger opportunity. I've been lucky to um, not only get a few strong female backers early in my journey, but I also have amazing executive that has not only validated flick play from an opportunity standpoint, but from a, a leadership standpoint, right? So same pro same process that any any company has, but yeah, I think that just getting where we need to get in terms of um, validating what we need to validate. I'm sure it's a rough path, but it looks like you have successfully been constant and uh, tried to overcome all the obstacles, which I think is great. And it speaks a lot about you, Pierina. You know, since we're running out of time, I want to ask you a more personal question. And that is, it's maybe a funny one, but if I spoke to Frank Gehry right now, on the phone. What is one word he would use to describe you and why would you think that would be the word? We would always fall into not arguments but contrast of opinions and he would always like be very persistent on reminding me why his opinion was the right one. So I think that I think I'm never gonna forget I remember I used the word ontology in one uh, in when I joined the office I gave him my thesis book and up to when I left, he was giving me papers about why I should never use that word in architecture, right? So uh, when something gets in his mind, he will do anything to kind of like push it through and make sure he proves his point uh, right. So <laughs> I think that <laughs> that's something that I kind of mirror myself on. I'm a little bit stubborn too. <laughs> well, that's fantastic, uh, Pierina. And I think that's a great place to wrap today's conversation. It was amazing. It was great to have you, your insight and I mean, your analysis and your perception of course, combined with all your interests and your your passions. I mean, they're just one of a kind and I really appreciate your time. I'm sure the listeners are going to enjoy this episode and of course I enjoyed it. And, you know, I hope uh, when this pandemic is over, we can meet up and, uh, you know, chat about design and arch architecture much further. But for now, thank you so much for coming to the Halftime Snacks. Of course. Thank you for the invite. Before you leave, I want to thank you for listening. To hear this or any other halftime snack, check out the full archive on my website, which you can find on the show notes. See you next week! <laughs>